I know it feels to a lot of people that online dating is a miserable place or that dating in this modern age is just unbearable and difficult. But honestly, when you have a plan in place and you really understand how to navigate in a really smart, strategic and efficient way, dating can be very, very fun and it can be really successful. A lot of it just starts with mindset and then having this plan and then executing it and being intentional about your dating instead of just kind of like, you know, just seeing what's out there, kind of seeing what happens. Well, Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, Mae Bugenhagen, and I help single women just like you go from frustrated with dating to having a positive, unfair advantage dating strategy. So no matter if you're very experienced with dating or not very experienced with dating, I can help. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Michelle Jacoby, and Michelle Jacoby is a matchmaker, dating and relationship expert expert and the founder and CEO of DC Matchmaking, a small boutique matchmaking and coaching company for committed minded singles in both the Washington DC area and nationally. So thank you for joining me, Michelle, on the show today. How are you? I'm good. I love that. An unfair advantage. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. I know it's called the Asian Dating Podcast, but you know, meeting other matchmakers, speaking with other matchmakers, dating is the same, right? No matter if you're black, white, Asian, purple, green, whatever color you are, it's dating is still as challenging for people out there as it were before the pandemic, after the pandemic, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, doesn't really get a whole lot easier. But If you're armed with great information, like someone like Michelle's book, we'll talk about that later, then you could really have an unfair advantage in the dating world. Would you agree? Yeah, I love that. Well, I think dating in some ways is a skill. And what I find is some of the most successful women I know who have success in every other aspect of their life, this is the one area where they're frustrated and can't, you know, get exactly what they want. And so what I've seen over the years is that dating is a skill It doesn't come into, it's not intuitive and it's something that you can hone and get better and better at and have more success at. So I love that idea of having an unfair advantage because if you're dating with a strategy, you're dating in a way that most people aren't. And it's just, it's like the smartest thing in the world. Yeah. It's no different than when you apply for a job and you have all these skills and you get better and better at it, and you want to get better at it. So you're reading books on business, you're reading books on sales, you're reading books on marketing. It's no different. But yet, when we go to college, or when we graduate high school, there's not a dating course that we were required to attend, right? Like, yeah, so what are uh, some things that you can arm the audience with? If they're new to dating, whether, you know, let's talk about specifically people who just came out of a divorce and they're new back in the dating world now, like what are some things that you've learned to really help them tweak their dating strategy? I love this question because when I was in my early thirties, I went through a divorce. I know how difficult going through something like that can be. And once you've gone through something like a breakup or a divorce or the loss of a, of a partner. It takes a lot of time and energy to rebuild your life and to rebuild your happiness. It's it's very traumatic to go through that. 
And so what I feel is really important when you're dating is to make sure that you make a smart choice in terms of who you invest in and who you bring into your life, not only for yourself, but if you have kids, like it's just really important that you don't invest in someone who's going to bring drama, who's going to destroy that piece you finally created for yourself. So one of the things I work on with my clients is like, how do you know if the person you're investing in is emotionally healthy and able to show up as the kind of partner that you want and deserve? Because a lot of women, myself included, when I first went through my divorce, invest in the wrong men, waste a lot of time and end up less happy than when they started. And really at the end of the day, your partner should enhance your happiness, not deplete it. So to answer your question, when you're, when you just come off of a breakup or a divorce, really understanding what your needs are and what your boundaries are going to be and how to go about dating in a really smart way is super important so that you only invite the right person into your life. So yeah, you bring up a good point about boundaries. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do you help and guide your clients with boundaries? And what do you mean by boundaries? I love this topic. I think it's really, really interesting that a lot of the women I work with are incredibly successful in business and have really strong boundaries professionally. They, they know how they want to be treated in the workplace. They are able to speak their mind in the workplace. But when it comes to dating and relationships, they have a hard time holding boundaries. There might be red flag behaviors and they just ignore them or sweep them under the rug in hopes that things will change down the road or someone might make them feel uncomfortable and they don't speak up. Having boundaries is incredibly important in every aspect of life, right? We teach people how to treat us in the beginning of relationships, but when you're dating, it's imperative and it's not just about thinking, okay, I'm going to have boundaries that I actually have my clients create a tool called a protective contract where we write down the negative behaviors we're not going to accept from a partner. And then I teach my clients how to advocate for themselves, what words to use, and to really let the men they're dating know when they see red flag behaviors that this behavior doesn't work for me. And if it doesn't change, I'm not going to continue to date you. That's powerful. And then the men can decide if they want to change the behavior, if they have the capacity to change the behavior, and I teach my clients based on the response they get when they articulate that that behavior doesn't work for them, how to decide if they should stay or go. And one of the problems is that women miss that walk away moment. There's a moment in a relationship when you should be able to tell, you know what, this is never going to work out. I need to walk away. But a lot of women just stay and invest months and years in the wrong relationship. Boundaries are everything. Boundaries are everything. Really, really important. So what are some red flags that have come up and women tend to ignore them or sweep them under the rug or just hope it'll get better? Like what are some situations that you can- Like what are some examples? These are some examples that I wrote on my protective contract when I was single 15 years ago and what some of my clients just wrote on theirs recently. Like for instance, I will not date a man who compartmentalizes me. Okay. So what does that mean? That means, and then I have my clients put examples, like he doesn't introduce me to his friends. He doesn't introduce me to his family. He doesn't invite me to company outings, or I don't have access to his home, or, you know, I can't just drop by his office. Like when you are dating someone and you're in a relationship, you should have access to their whole life, just like you're giving them access to yours. Or here's another example. I won't be in a relationship with someone who 
says they're going to do things and then doesn't follow through. And then I can give examples or I will not be in a relationship with someone who consistently criticizes me. They criticize the way I look, the way I eat, the way I dress, my, my choice of friends. Like there's so many different ways that people can mistreat you. And what I think is really important is to know exactly what you will not tolerate, to write it down so that when you're sort of enamored with somebody and you're excited about them, you have a tool that's a red flag spotter and you'll see that it's happening and you'll remind yourself, you know what? I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to tolerate that behavior and you'll address it immediately so that you can figure out right away whether the behavior is going to continue or if that person can change. And one of the things I like to share with my clients is that red flag behaviors are usually representative of a lot of issues that a person can have that are unresolved. Right. So, so it's not, it's a symptom of a larger thing that may or may not keep someone from showing up as the kind of partner that you want. So it's very, very important to be really aware of how people are treating you and what your boundaries are. I mean, I can give you a gazillion examples. All every woman watching this or listening to this has to do is think about, okay, I was in a relationship that didn't serve me. What were some behaviors that my partner you know, how, how did they behave that made me feel bad? And you can make a decision. You can write them all down and say, I don't want to ever be treated this way again. And I won't tolerate that, you know, but the problem is a lot of women just keep going, hoping things will change or seeing the best in someone because they're loyal or they're positive, you know, hoping someone will get, will change and be different. You know, the only way someone's going to change is if you give them an ultimatum and say, look, change or I'm gone. And then they'll either change or they won't. So how do you advise the women that you're coaching if they see these red flags, but they don't want to give the man the ultimatum? What is the next step that they can resolve this or? Well, so, so I, I think you have to, if you, if there's a real red flag behavior, something that doesn't serve you and the relationship, I think it's really important to give an ultimatum because that's a message that this has to change or this isn't going to work, which is the reality anyways. I don't see any other way that the person's going to really address it. And some people will be able to address it and change because they want to for themselves and the relationship. And other people are going to blow up and get upset and blame you and argue. Like depending on the response you get, you can decide whether you want to invest or move on. I don't think just complaining is really, I'm not talking about, you know, somebody says something thoughtless once. I'm talking about when you see a real pattern in a relationship that doesn't work, that's unhealthy, that's creating drama or discomfort, you have to address it immediately. Yeah. What are some uh, success stories that you can share with us without naming the person's name, but how they went from this and then do your program and went to this, like just mind-blowing success? <laughs> it's hard to give just one, but I mean, I can think of women who... I talked to on a call who were literally crying. Um, I can think of one woman in particular who was in her mid forties, never married because every relationship ended because it was difficult. She didn't get her needs met. There was just drama and she was so frustrated. She said to me, I, I am, you know, the rest of my life is beautiful. Why am I putting myself through this? And she was crying and she was saying like, I guess I'm just destined to be alone forever and I'll focus on my career and this and that. And I really taught her how to get her needs met and how to advocate for herself so that she could feel safe to date 
And when you have those tools, dating can actually be fun because you don't have to worry about someone hurting you. And long story short, she is now married and she and her husband just bought a beautiful new house, moved to Florida and are living there happily ever after. I have so many stories like this. Just because you failed in the past doesn't mean you can't be successful in the future. You need to understand why, you know, why were your relationships full of drama? I've heard people say to me, you know, I attract narcissists or I attract, you know, whatever. And my belief is, no, you don't. You just accept them and invest in them. You need to really be able to spot an unhealthy partner, address it immediately and make a quick decision because the fastest way to meet the right person is to get away from the wrong person quickly and not waste your time. Yeah, I totally agree. But just thinking back to my 20s and 30s when I was dating, you just don't really think about that, right? Like you're not seeking help. You're not reading self-help books. You're not reading dating books. Like there are lots of ways for people to get this information and to apply it and to be empowered with it. But a lot of times we just don't know where to start. We're frustrated and then we just blame it on the dating apps or we just blame it on all men suck or, you know, but the common denominator is you. So that's where people need to figure out, okay, I can figure this out. I can start by getting some help. And, but you're right. Like I, I know a lot of very professional, successful women thrive at in their careers and do super well with their jobs, their sports, their leagues or whatever. But when it comes to finding love, they, you have to kind of have a different skill set and you can't apply the entrepreneur CEO skill set to dating because it doesn't really work that way unless you're trained to look at it that way, right? Or well, yeah, I mean there's there's a whole level of there's a whole different level of vulnerability when you talk about dating and relationships versus being in a professional setting. You know, there's more at stake. Yeah. You know, it's matters of the heart. It's not just matters of work and business. But you know what you said about women who are younger or even women of a certain age, not seeking help or just kind of going with the flow and not having a plan. And I like to create a dating plan with my clients. But the beauty is that the women who are listening here and who are watching us um, on this on this podcast are here because they want to learn. You know, they want to be successful and, the, you know, the de definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And as you said, we can't control men and we can't control other people. But the one thing that we can do is change the way we approach things. And I know it feels to a lot of people that online dating is a miserable place or that dating, you know, in this modern age is just unbearable and difficult. But honestly, when you have a plan in place and you really understand how to navigate in a really smart, strategic and efficient way, Dating can be very, very fun because people are awesome and it can be really successful. A lot of it just starts with mindset and then having this plan and then executing it and being intentional about your dating instead of just kind of like, you know, just seeing what's out there, kind of seeing what happens. Like when you, when, when your listeners decided to get their master degrees, right. Or to, to build up to the position they're in in their career right now they had a plan they they worked towards it they had a goal and they attained that goal right but with dating we all hope that it's just going to happen but for a lot of people it doesn't just happen and it really behooves you to have a plan 
and to work towards it and put time and energy into it in a smart way. Because, you know, the man of your dreams is not going to fall out of the sky and land on your couch. I know, but women and men say that, no, I don't want to hire a dating coach. I don't want to hire a matchmaker. I want things to happen organically. Mm -hmm. Like in the movies they do on sitcoms, they do. And I think a lot of times it's like, well, you didn't just land your dream job by half-assing your resume and you hope someone was going to hire you. Like, like you said, Michelle, like you have to have a plan. I think that's with everything in life. If your plan is to have a family and you want kids, like, what are you going to do to get there? You know, you can date unintentionally in your twenties. I feel like in college, yes, have fun. That's the time for you to, you know, play the field. But once you're getting serious about, okay, I want a family. I want to be a young mom. I want to have kids. I want to be a young grandma. Then you really got to think about it. And that's why it's so important for people who are serious about finding love to have a plan. And it's not unsexy to have a plan. It's actually very <laughs> it's still organic, right? It's still but organic. That- it's still organic and natural. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? I met my husband at a restaurant. What if, you know, I think 50% of married couples meet online. The online platforms are wonderful tools if you know how to use them. People are people and they're wonderful. But, you know, let's be honest. There are some people who just get really lucky. They marry their high, high school sweetheart and live happily ever after. We're each of us on our own journey. And we don't really have the ability to see what the larger picture is for ourselves I think that all of the experiences we have, and maybe some of the ladies who are listening have been in difficult relationships in the past or relationships that didn't serve them or they've had their hearts broken. I don't ever think of that as a mistake. I think when you look in the mirror today and see the amazing woman that you are, all of these experiences have brought you here. Now let's take that experience and maybe get some help if we need it and be intentional and get what we want. You know, knowing what you want and going after it. If if you want, you know, not everybody wants to have kids. Some some people just want to grow old with a partner and travel the world. Other people want to have families. There's no right or wrong. You know, it's just you have to decide what do I want my future to look like and how am I going to get there? And inaction is not how to get there. Right. And so getting some help, you know, I'm a coach and I've also hired coaches. I've hired a business coach. When I wrote my book, I hired a writing coach. You know, I believe that if, if, you know, if something is um, a goal that's important to us and we don't know how to get there, we get help. We do that in so many different aspects of our life. We do it with our finances. We do it with our taxes. Like, why can't we do that with our love lives? It's smart. It's, It's like, why wouldn't you invest in yourself to get the help that you need so you can live your happily ever after? I agree. I agree. You mentioned how you hired a coach to write your book. Tell us a little bit about your book. Thank you. So as you can probably hear, I'm very passionate about helping women end up in really healthy, happy relationships that last and that serve them and that just really are beautiful. And with a divorce rate of 50%, a lot of relationships might look good from the outside but on the inside, not everybody's enjoying them so much. So I wanted to write a book um, based on my 14 years of experience as a matchmaker and a dating coach that would give women a roadmap, like a plan to really understand how to go from single to happily coupled and um, how to create their dating plan and then how to execute it. And so I wrote that book. It's called Never Waste Time, 
on the wrong man again. And there's one promise that I don't make promises lightly, but there's one promise that I can make to your listeners. If you read this book and you do what I teach you in this book, it is impossible to invest time in the wrong person and end up in an unhealthy relationship. It's impossible. I mean, whether or not you do what I teach you to do, that's on you, right? But this book is a roadmap to a healthy relationship, even for women who've never had one. It's a game changer. It's a life changer. If you really need to understand what have you been doing wrong and what do you need to do differently? And then how do I do that? And I'm happy to give the book to your listeners. Can I share how to do that? Yes. Yes. I'll put it yeah, in the show any, anybody, well. Yeah. Anybody listening. And by the way, I'm sure you have some male listeners too. Many of my male clients have, have read the book, even though the name is very much for women, never waste time on the wrong man again. Um, some of my guys, my, my guy clients have read it and found it really helpful. I even have LGBTQ friends who've read it and found it helpful. So it's not just for the ladies, but if you go to www.michellesbook.com, you can download it right now and be reading it. You know, when you're done listening to this podcast, it'll really, really help you understand what you've been doing wrong in the past and some really simple changes you can make to have a completely different outcome moving forward. So I hope, I hope that your listeners will take advantage of my gift to them. It's Michelle's book with two L's. Yeah. Com. I will put that in the show notes. Thank no, you. yeah, that's, thank you very much. I remember when your book first came out and I downloaded it right away. I must've read it over the weekend and how you said it's targeted for women, but if men read it, it would certainly help them as well. I actually love buying books that are for men. Like I like reading books for <laughs> men because I want to know what they're thinking, what they're talking about. So this is a great way for a man to know what a woman's thinking about and how she wants to go about finding a healthy relationship. So yeah, it's a great book. I loved it so much, Michelle, that I actually mm -hmm. bought the physical copy after I read it on my Kindle. So yeah, I, that's I think really, really, book. that's really nice of you. I mean, yeah. understanding how to get your needs met and understanding how to be in a healthy relationship is not gender specific, right? right? I mean, both men and women are frustrated and both men and women invest in relationships that don't serve them. So I, you know, I welcome anybody who wants to download it. You don't have to, you don't have to be a woman. Enjoy the book. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Now I know you're married. I've met your husband before. Can you tell me five things that your husband loves about you? Oh, I was going to say uh, five things that I love about him. Oh, we'll do that next. But <laughs> <laughs> what does he love about me? I, I yeah. wish he was here. He could tell you himself. That's an interesting question that no one's ever asked me. Okay. I would think he loves that I'm completely honest and ethical and that he can trust me. I think if you don't have trust in a relationship, you don't have anything. Um, I'm very loving and committed to my friends and family. I think he admires that. Um, I think he thinks it's cool that I am an entrepreneur and have my own business and created something and help people. Um, he thinks I'm cute. <laughs> Thank God. And what's one more? Um, I think that he enjoys, um, I, I'm someone who's constantly curious, reading, learning. And I think that that rubbed off on him. And since we've grown together over the course of the last, I think we've been together like 13 years. Um, I see him, I, we take on each other's uh, interests, whatever works for each of us. And like, like I'm obsessed with pickleball. Now he's playing pickleball. When we met, I was more of a reader. Now he loves to read and he's taught me things also. So, you know, it's fun to have a partner that brings something into your world. I think he also loves the fact that he now has a family. When I met him, 
he was a single guy with no kids and his family's not nearby. He's not especially close with his family. Um, they're far away. And I had four kids. He adopted my littlest um, who didn't have a dad because I adopted him. And he, you know, my parents live down the street. So he has this whole big, close family now that he absolutely treasures. And that's the beauty of what someone can bring into your life, right? And I wasn't looking to meet a guy who was single with no kids. I always assumed I'd marry a dad. Yeah. I always yeah. tell my clients, you know, the universe might bring you someone you weren't expecting. There's so many ways that my husband's not who I was looking for. And he's been the most beautiful surprise. So there's some things I can tell you what I love about him. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I've never, we, we, I was just talking about this with some friends this morning. I've never met anyone who said my husband's a wonderful husband because he's tall or, you know, or because he, <laughs> there's, um, there's a show on TV right now where someone requested a guy with nice eyebrows. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah. how does that enhance your happiness? Like, how does that make him a wonderful partner, right? We need to get focused on the things that really matter. So what I love about my husband is that he's the most kind and thoughtful man I've ever met. Like he tries to anticipate my needs before I even ask for something. He's a total gentleman. He opens the door when I'm driving. Like, can you imagine? He won't let me carry anything. Like he knows I'm independent and capable, but he wants to do for me. He's so sweet. He, I love the fact that he's never lied to me. I can trust him 100%. He is the most kind. And this is what everyone should look for in a partner, right? Someone who is kind from the inside out, just wants to be the best person they can be and be as kind to you and to others. Like they really care about other people's happiness. They're selfless. And I'll add that he's totally fun. He's just a like a doofus. I love spending time with him. And whoever your partner is, you know, you have to pick somebody who you're going to wake up next to every day and really enjoy their company. He's in a good mood, like 98% of the time. And that impacts my mood. So, you know, you have to be a little pragmatic when you're choosing your partner. You don't just follow your heart. You have to use your head. I thought it was, you know, I, I broke some patterns and chose someone healthier for me when I chose Rob. And I decided I want to be with someone giving. I want to be with someone who's a great influence on my children somebody who I can rely on, somebody who is transparent and opens his world up to me. I mean, there's so many decisions that I made that were from the head, not only the heart when I chose him as my partner. And that's really important because you need to grow together over the years. And somebody who's consistently kind and thoughtful and in a good mood, like, and is fun to be with, like, who doesn't want to spend their life with that person, you know? Right. That, that's a really that. nice of you to give me the opportunity to talk about him. No, I, I, obviously I know him and he just had a birthday and I know you and I, you know, I follow you on Facebook and all that, but I wanted you to actually talk about why you fell in love with your husband and why your husband likes you, because none of the stuff that you mentioned is, Oh, I wanted a tall guy. I wanted like all these things that just drive me nuts about the criteria that people give me. Sometimes I just think you need to really interview some long lasting real relationships to find out what it what you should be looking for what really matters yeah. um and all those things that you talked about your husband is people can find out more about someone on a date second date third date you can't find out all these loving things within 30 minutes of meeting somebody so i guess i'm so glad you said yeah. that because right. we have expectations now for like i didn't mean to cut you off but that's so 
what you're saying about for how many people who are listening have been on like a gazillion first dates and very few second, hardly any third dates. It's like the hamster wheel of dating where you've been watching, you know, um, Hollywood, you know, rom-coms and you think you're supposed to have this incredible connection with somebody on a first date. Like first dates are awkward for some people. They're really difficult. Some people are more reserved and like the good stuff is it takes a while to, you know, for the layers to come off and for their like awesomeness to unfold. So um, I think it's really important to be open to giving people a second chance or a third chance. I tell my clients, when you go on a date, if there's some level of attraction, like I'm talking like a six, it doesn't have to be a 10. If you think the person you spent time with is a good, kind human being from what you could tell, and you enjoyed their company, why would you not go on a second date? Why are you worrying about, you know, is this my husband or is this my wife? Like you can't figure that out in two hours. Even if you think you can, you're wrong. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I think it would be, it would be really smart if everyone was just enjoying the moment together and having fun, as opposed to trying to interview people. I, I call that like um, qualifying the buyer. Like, why do you have to figure out if this person is your husband? There's no way to know anyways, have fun, have a laugh, do something fun, be playful, like just enjoy yourself, flirt. It'll all unfold the way it's meant to especially if you have tools in place. Like what's nice about having boundaries and knowing what your needs are and getting them met is that you can just relax into dating and not worry so much and just have fun with people. Yeah. In your book, you talk about someone's gooey center. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a cute way of saying that everybody's beautiful inside and not everybody presents that way because some people have been hurt or they're shy or they're nervous or they're awkward. But I have this life view that really serves me in my life that makes my life a happier place that is 98, 99.9% .9 of humans have a gooey center. People are really beautiful when they let their guard down. And so if you're a skillful dater, and I teach this um, in my coaching, you know how to approach a date in a way that makes the other person feel so comfortable that they let their guard down and can show you that gooey center. Um, I think a lot of people are going through the motions on dates and they're not really um, showing up for each other and being skillful. And I know as matchmakers, we're really good at interviewing people and making people feel comfortable, right? But not everybody has that skill. You can, you can learn it. Being able to make someone feel liked and safe and like helping them shine on a date is a really generous thing to do, but it actually benefits you because then you get to see an aspect of them you never would have had the opportunity to see. And, and sticking with them for two or three dates and trying different things in different situations and not judging people so quickly is a very smart move because somebody who um, didn't you weren't excited about on date one, you could be really into on date four. I mean, think, you know, you said earlier, meeting people organically. I know so many people that I've met and, and didn't really connect with at first, but over time I got to know them and I was like, wow, this person's really amazing. That's what makes modern dating hard. You have like an hour and a half to figure out if you want to invest any time in this person. So take the pressure off yourself and just be more easygoing about it and just say yes. Say yes. Like I think in life saying yes more often than no is, is the way to go anyhow. Just have fun with it. I love it. I love it. How do you coach somebody who's jaded by dating or has a bad mindset or not open-minded? Like, how do you start coaching them? Well, one of the things that I do in my book and in my coaching programs is to tell stories. Um, I won't tell them here and now, but, you know, it's one thing for me to teach you a strategy. 
it's another thing for me to tell you the story of someone who used that strategy and it changed their whole life. So I like to give examples so that you can understand that making this small change could change everything for you. And then I teach you how to implement it in your own life. Um, you know, if someone has a negative worldview, I would recommend therapy. I'm not a therapist, right? But if you can own the fact that your choices impacted your life experiences, that's really powerful and actually really good news because you can make different choices and have completely different outcomes moving forward. You know, if everyone is in victim mode and like this happened to me and guys suck and, you know, I attract narcissists or, you know, men take advantage of me or whatever. The moment you realize that, wait a minute, I, you know, made some decisions that I could have made differently and moving forward, I will, those people won't have access to me anymore. And I can choose the right kind of person for myself. That's really powerful. It's empowering and it's hopeful, you know, as opposed to just, you know, dating sucks and yeah, dating sucks because you don't really know how to do it or you're, or you're not choosing the right people, or you're just overwhelmed and you don't have a plan. It doesn't have to suck. It really can be fun. I use the word fun a lot because like, to me, life should be fun. Everything you do. I mean, look, every single thing you do can't be fun, but like, that's the goal. We're not here forever. We should be enjoying ourselves. And I so when I was single and dating, I decided every time I go on a date, I'm going to have fun. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the fun. If the other person isn't the fun, I'm going to make sure he has fun. Yeah. You know, and I did my very best to bring my full energy and my sense of humor and my warmth to every single date. I didn't just go through the motions. So and I would, I would yeah. like to inspire your listeners to just make the decision, Yeah, you know, to really have a great time with people when they're going out instead of approaching it with a negative attitude. So what are some tips you would give the women out there, aside from buying your book and to reading it and to living by it, but just some next tips that they could do in their dating life the next week or two weeks. I love that. That's good. So what are some tips? Well, first of all, get out there. Unless you fall in love with like the Uber Eats delivery guy or the pizza guy, nobody's coming to your house. So if you're not really taking action, sign up for a meetup, do something fun, go on a hike, go to a speed dating event, get online, you know, and meet new people consistently. Part of being single, and actually the part I miss about being single since I'm married now is that I loved meeting new people all the time and planning fun experiences for myself. I think when you're coupled, sometimes you get a little like Netflix lazy, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like have fun, try new things, meet new people consistently. I think also be aware that we're sort of programmed as a survival mechanism as human beings and as human females to find what's wrong, that negativity bias, override that. Look for what's right and beautiful in the people that you're meeting. Don't latch on to one thing he said, or he forgot to drive me to my car, or you know, don't, don't latch on to one negative thing. Remind yourself to notice all of the positive things and give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying you should let people mistreat you. You know, I'm big on boundaries, but like dating is hard and some really wonderful men are not good at it. So don't over-eliminate. I can go on with many, many, you know, different tips, but I think that's a good place to start. Get out of your house, be proactive, plan some fun things, meet new people consistently and have a positive attitude about people in general and notice what's good. That's a great place to start. 
I love it. I love it. Notice what's good about people instead of just poking or getting so magnifying some little thing. I just find that people can be better daters if they are a little bit more forgiving. And sometimes it's somebody who's showing up for a date five minutes late. Granted, you should always show up early or on time, but just be forgiving about some little things like that. It, um, if someone needs to change the date because they can't go today, but they're giving you alternative dates for Friday or Saturday, just be forgiving. Okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's just reschedule the date. You don't have to like find reasons to cancel the date or find reasons to cancel them. Like I just find that people just need to be more open and be more understanding and just I think, yeah, I think what people do though, is they're blaming this guy for how the last guy treated yes. him. Yes. Like, so if someone, you know, flaked out and didn't show for a date or canceled at the last minute because they were a jerk, as opposed to just like something came up at work, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt right? and, and, you know, treat others the way we would like to be treated. So like if something came up at work and I had to cancel a date, I would hope that the person would understand that I genuinely wanted to spend time with them, but I just need to reschedule. So don't, don't just, yeah, as you said, don't assume the worst, give people the benefit of the doubt and assume the best. Right. Right. If someone's going to disappoint you, they're going to disappoint you. You'll figure it out. But I think sometimes as a protective mechanism, we just shut people down really quickly because we don't want to be hurt and we don't want to be disrespected, which is fair, but um, don't let, the people who hurt you in the past keep you from meeting somebody beautiful in the future or the present. I think a lot of people put walls up and do that. And it's a shame. So Michelle, you said you've been doing this, uh, coaching women, being a matchmaker, a dating coach, relationship coach for over 14, 15 years or so. Tell us yeah. how you got started and what kind of people do you serve now? And a little bit about your business. Okay. Thank you. You really want to hear the story about how I became a matchmaker. It's kind of yeah. cute. Yeah. So, okay. So I was uh, divorced at 35 and single and dating. And um, one of the things I enjoyed that I, I think you agree with is when I was dating, I dated all kinds of people, every race, every age, every size. Like I just was open. I like men <laughs> and I was open. And I think my parents had in mind a specific kind of person they thought I would want to date. And so they saw me having all this fun and dating all these people. And they sat me down and they said, you know, we're concerned. We really want you to meet a quality person. We would like to hire a matchmaker for you, which was amazing. That's the sweetest thing in the world, right? But in 2008, like the idea of a matchmaking never occurred to me. I was having a really good time dating. I was using the apps. I was going to singles events. Anyways. So since my parents were so generous, I decided to look into matchmaking services in the DC area where I live. And I interviewed people who had used matchmakers here and every single person had a negative story. And so I didn't think that there was anyone I would want to trust my parents' investment or my heart with um, here at that time. And um, so I went back to my parents and said, thank you, but no, thank you. But it just kept gnawing at me. And I kept thinking, you know, my best friend is engaged to someone I matched her with. And I introduced those two and they're in a relationship. And I realized, you know what? Holy moly, I'm a matchmaker. And then I did some Googling about matchmaking as a career. And I just decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. So I created a website in like a week and a half with a friend of mine who was a web developer. 
one of my previous careers was search engine optimization. So I got my, my DC matchmaking website on page one within a week. And I had a client two weeks later and her third introduction was the person she ended up with. And I realized this is my thing and I've never stopped loving it in 14 years. And the amount of couples and families and babies and emails I get and texts that I get consistently. And I know, you know what this feels like. It is the most freaking satisfying career anyone could ever have creating love in the world and families and children. And anyway, so that's how I got started. Um, my company, DC Matchmaking is a small boutique matchmaking coaching company. As a matchmaker, I mostly serve um, singles in the DC area, but I also serve women nationally and internationally. I have a client in London right now who's in my coaching program. So, um, you know, if anyone's listening and they want a coach, you know, no matter where they are, they could reach out to me if they wanted to. But, um, but I think, you know, no matter where you are, no matter who you reach out to, there are so many wonderful matchmakers and coaches who can really teach you a smarter way to date. You don't have to go it alone. You don't have to continue to feel as frustrated as you feel today. We've got your back. We can really, really help you to have a better outcome and to have all your dreams come true. I love that happily ever after, you know, and I watch my clients live it and it's beautiful. This Saturday night, I'm going to a dinner for two of my clients who got married during COVID. They never had a big wedding and I'm going to a sit down dinner at their home that they just renovated together to see them as a family. Like what's better than that? There's nothing better than that. It is so rewarding to realize that you had a hand in helping them find the one. Otherwise, they wouldn't have. And I actually didn't know that story about you, Michelle. I didn't know your parents hired a matchmaker. Yeah, well, they they offered to. Yeah. They're so I love my parents. They love me, and they they wanted me to be happy. And I think that's very sweet. And you know, this probably doesn't happen to you on your podcast, but I'd like to ask you a question. <laughs> what is like, what is one client story or one um, thing that's happened to you that's really, really felt good? You know, when you, when that made you realize, yeah, I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. The impossible people that I work with, and then they end up finding somebody. Sometimes I'm even surprised, right? What does I impossible mean? mean? Like, impossible. Really okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I've been doing this for about 14 years as well. I started in 2009. So I've been doing this for a while. This is my second job out of college, really, right? I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for over 11 years and um, managing- No offense to Enterprise, but this is way more fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is a way more fun and sexier job, though sometimes there are unsexy moments as well. I just remember this one gentleman that came to us and um, Caucasian man wanted to meet an Asian woman and uh, he has four kids and that sounds tough. You know, you're a you know, mom of four and you were looking for somebody. And I did set him up with a lot of women that did not have kids and um, or women with young kids. And he just could not, could not find the right person. Like I must've set him up with eight or nine women that met his uh, criteria. Cause I, I say, if they meet 80% of your criteria, you should meet them, go out with them, get to know them and move forward. And then I thought, you know what? I know he says he didn't want to really meet women with kids, but there's this lovely woman that has four kids. The kids are kind of the same age as his kids. 
And I thought, you know what? I think you should meet her. She's Japanese, very sweet, exactly what you wanted. She lived close by. And then they met and I didn't hear from them for like six months, seven months. You know how sometimes you have clients and they disappear, or at least I do. They don't tell me that they've been dating. Like many times I find that they've hit it off with somebody either on Facebook or I stalk them and I find out later. But then six or seven months later, he contacted me and said they got engaged. And I was actually kind of surprised because, you know, she has four kids. He has four kids. That's a big family. family. That's amazing. So stuff like that. Like sometimes I take on clients that I'm like, okay, it might be a little bit challenging, but if they're willing to work with you and they're willing to listen and willing to take my advice then I can help them. If they really are in that mindset to get better and to have hope, I mean, I feel like clients have to have hope. If they're like negative Nancy, that's totally hard to like help them. But this couple, yeah, they're they're actually on my website as a testimonial and that they, that. you know, it's a success story. But that's the thing. It's like, sometimes you just have to think outside the box for them. Like he didn't really want to meet somebody I wasn't looking for a guy without kids. I always assumed that my future husband would be a dad because he would, he would appreciate my priorities and understand my life. I never, ever thought I would marry someone who had never had children, but actually it was kind of neat because then he could focus on my kids. We didn't have to do the whole child sharing thing. Um, You don't know who your future partner is going to be. And if you're really, if you've been looking in this box forever and you haven't found him there, maybe he's not in that box. Maybe he's completely different, you know, or she's completely different. I love that. And I think, you know, a lot of people think a matchmaker is someone you can just go to and order a person like a pizza, right? I'll take somebody who is this tall, lives here, has this kind of college degree, blah, blah, blah. But really... You need to see your matchmaker as an expert with a lot of experience who has your best interest at heart and really cares about you and take his or her advice (laughs) and be open because we have done this for decades. We we know, you know, we, we know how wonderful this person could be for you if you just give it a shot. And it's very disappointing when I have a great match for a client and they're like, they say, no, I'm like, oh, you're missing an opportunity. So I try to work. I try to choose my clients, people who are open-minded and really trust that I'm an expert and want my, want my expertise to help them be successful. Yeah. Cause it's a collaboration yeah. matchmaking, you know, is a collaborative process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I know. I love it. I mean, yeah, I've been doing this for a while <laughs> and I, I genuinely still love working and you know, even with my health situation, you know, a few years ago, and now I'm still trying to get better, healthy and all that. But there's a period where I couldn't really work a whole lot. And the minute I could work, I end up being full time and then some again. So I honestly love working. Like I don't find this to be, you know, a pain if I need to do a podcast late at night. I mean, I love talking about dating. I love talking about dating all the time. Like I, yeah, I just truly am so blessed with this career and seriously, just meeting all these other matchmakers in the world, you know, in us, in my same city, like you just never run out of things to talk about. And I just, I just think we're so lucky to be in this industry. So yeah. I totally. Love it. I think what some people don't understand and they don't know about our community of matchmakers <clears throat> is that we're truly a community. 
that yeah. we have like a matchmaking organization that brings us together for conferences, for monthly calls that you and I probably have a hundred mutual friends who are matchmakers and coaches. We're yeah. some of my best friends are in this business. Um, it's been not only beautiful to connect single people with their life partners, but this industry has brought me, you know, brought love and friendship into my life. Yeah. I, I know that like when you were going through your health issues, we all embraced you and we're yeah. there for you. And if anything happens in my life, I know that my matchmaking community will be there for me. So I wish for everybody who's listening that they would have as much fun in their career and have a community of friends who support them and love them. It's, you know, they always say the, the key to life is your relationships, not just your romantic, but just nurture your relationships. And that's one thing I think a lot of us thought about during the pandemic was like, what really matters to me? And for me, leaning into my relationships and really, you know, spending time with the people I love was a big deal. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and I'm glad that we're back to getting together in person now, you know, and that all of the matchmakers are collaborating with each other and we're having this conversation. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, very much, very much. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's always such a treat chatting with you. I will put all of your information uh, in the show notes, but any last parting words from you before we sign off? Um, yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> I, I adore you and I, I really respect you as a matchmaker and a coach, I know that you do beautiful work um, for your clients. And I have a lot of respect for you. And I just want to say that to your listeners, you know, May's not just someone who has a podcast. Yeah. She's a very experienced matchmaker and coach who I really admire and would refer clients to and feel like you're, if you're, if you're working with May, you're incredibly capable and caring hands. So yeah. And to everyone who's listening, just have fun. Yeah. Just have just fun have with fun. dating and have fun with each other. Life is yes. too short to, to make dating and, and everything else feel like a chore, try to have a positive mindset and have fun every day, especially when you're dating and get yes. help if you need it. Yes. It's out. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you, Michelle and listeners out there. If you're single, I would love for you to be part of my database. Go to twoasianmatchmakers.com fill out a profile so I can set you up and have you meet someone amazing who is fun and have a great life with. So thanks, Michelle. Bye. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye guys.